Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from IndyCar, it is Steve Woodich. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we spent some time uh, together last weekend up at Road America, and um, you 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 actually travel with the series. I, I I only get probably a quarter of the to the races uh, a year, but you travel with the series. How where 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 does Road America stack up uh, for for the people that have to travel from race to race? Uh, Road America is probably as far as everybody that travels one of the top events that we go to all year. Um, you know, just a, a couple of different things. Track's obviously awesome, but, the, you know, the, the, just the way we get treated there, the fans, the turnout, the, you know, it's just it's a fantastic place to visit. Um, you know, we go to a lot of cities, and it's kind of nice to be out in an area where it's not quite so, it's not too much traffic, and it's just a very good venue. And uh, last weekend, Alexander Rossi, well, let's, let's, let's be blunt, bitch slapped the field uh, in winning the race. Oh, yeah. When, when, when was the last time, I, I'm trying to think of the last time we saw such a dominating performance on a natural terrain uh, road course like that. It's, 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 it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a really long time. Um, I think the last time anyone won by that much at uh, Road America, I think Mario beat Ray Hall in 84, I believe. So, yeah, it's been a while there, but then it's been a while in general. It's, um, it doesn't happen very often where you get one team and one driver that hits on on the setup but it's kind of what makes boat america great is it's not it's a track where it's not necessarily it, the drivers aren't comfortable they're never comfortable they all love it it's their favorite most of them will say it's their favorite natural train road course but none of them are ever comfortable there if you looked at you know you looked at a lot of rossi's on board he didn't look like he was it was comfortable but whatever they figured out it worked because they were heads and tails the class of the field it certainly has, and there's a, a couple of tweets from people from the F1 side going, uh, look at this, there's grass to the edge of the roadway, <laughs> there's people making passes, and well, what's going on here? Is this called racing? Uh, you know, with, with, with what what's going on with Formula One this year, which hasn't been much, uh, it, it, it certainly didn't bode well for the the, the comparisons who, who want to compare IndyCar and F1. No, it really doesn't. It's just a night and day difference on what, uh, you know, like it's interesting to talk to people like Mark Erickson and Felix Rosenquist who, who've come recently come from Europe and they called it a proper old school track. And, you know, like it's the spa of the Midwest mm-hmm. and they go a step farther that the spa has now been neutered. There's runoff area and, um, you know, it, it's something that punishes the drivers if you make a mistake and that's what they want. They want to, it forces them to step up their game. They have to concentrate fully. And, you know, it's interesting. We had someone just absolutely crush a field, yet um, behind them, 
we had 175 passes for position. So it's not like there was there was a lot of action going on behind Rossi. Um, you know, he just they just hit on something last weekend that was just it was head and tails, and it was even more than that. I don't know what you want to call it, legs <laughs> and uh, arms ahead of everybody else. You know, you had Will Power and uh, Joseph Newgarden for Team Penske finishing second and third, and 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 the fellow who probably might have had his best race of the year, but doesn't even make the podium is Graham Rahal, and uh, Ray, that team Team Rahal is starting to show some uh, shows of strength with uh, Sato uh, at times been looking very very strong. It seems like when we mentioned uh, he could be a championship contender, he ran into some problems, but uh, uh, Graham Rahal and that team is certainly starting to come together, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. They've uh, made a lot of investments on the uh, technology and engineering side over over the last couple of years, and it's really starting to pay off now. Um, brought on Alan McDonald this year to to be Graham's race engineer, and those two have started to hit it off. And he works well with Sato's engineer Eddie Jones. And uh, behind the scenes, they've got a lot of good people on their damper program and in their R and D program that are very experienced engineers. And um, you know, it seems to be that's where that's how you you make hay in the IndyCar series is you have good people behind the scenes and good race engineers. And then you stick that with a couple hungry drivers and a couple drivers that get along, you know, it's always a team sport. And those two guys on the, that team, they seem to work well together. Um, they kind of push each other. I know, uh, you know, it's nice to have that second uh, set of data with, with Takuma and he's also experienced and he's mm-hmm. known for being good at feedback, having really good feedback. So that's helped it move that team forward tremendously this year. Uh, one driver who's been really impressive and kind of came back to earth a bit last week in Road America is Santino Ferrucci. And he's a driver, I, I mentioned it, you know, we had him on the show uh, Grand Prix week in Indy Grand Prix week in early May, and he did uh, an oval test at the Speedway. He didn't seem too, you know, concerned with it. And I'm like, you see, he's going to wreck it, Indy, because whenever somebody goes in there with such a cocky opinion of the track, it always bites him. He got away with it. I mentioned it to him last week, and I said, I didn't think you were going to do the things you were able to do at Indianapolis, and and he's been able to do it. And with him, you know, with the relationship with him and Bourdais, calling his calling Bourdais dad and all that, he's he's been a pleasant surprise in the IndyCar series, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been fun to watch him um, mature as a driver. You know, he had some issues in Europe, and we all know what those are. And I know some people won't look beyond that. But, um, you know, in my position, it's something you have to give uh, Santino a chance. And he's done nothing but impress me uh, on and off the track. Uh, he's been great to deal with, and he's uh, he's really taking it seriously. Uh, he wants to be here. He really likes being here. And, um, you know, don't there, there's the cocky exterior, but there's an – there's something inside him that will allow him to look inside himself and and know what it is to improve. You know, talk the speedway about how he was, you know, cocky and, and confident. Well, there were times where, you know, if you talk to his engineer, Michael Cannon, Michael said, you know, he came in and, and into the pits and said, well, I scared the living, you know, what out of myself there. I'm going to, I'm going to take, get out of the car and regroup and, and go back and look at the data and see what I did wrong and then go out and learn from that. And that's sort of where he, has been his MO. He's been very good at learning, um, taking what he's done in one session and and getting um, learning how to improve with, with the suggestions of his engineers and then Bourdais as well. He's been very willing to learn, which is as a young driver, that's all you can ask for as a team owner. Talking to Dale, very impressed with oh, yeah. how he works. Talking to Steve Wittich from IndyCar.com and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. 
Steve, going into last year, or going into the end of last year, everybody was talking about Colton Herta, Patricio Award, and Patricio Award seemed to be kind of have the upper hand. He seemed to be the quickest. And with Holton, Colton Herta kind of be the more calculating driver, well, here it is, uh, you know, six, eight months later, and uh, uh, Herta already has a win, and it's been it's very, very impressive in his rookie uh, season so far. Patricio Ward had some issues trying to find the right team and whatnot. They went from a two-car team to a one-car team, so he was kind of left on the out, you know, outside. Now he's a Red Bull driver. He's kind of a he's kind of in a transition period, isn't he, Patricio Ward at, at this point? Yeah, Patricio really is. He's uh, you know he kind of had a you know it wasn't the greatest start to the season just because he was going to be with one team and. Uh, going to be with Harding Steinbrenner Racing, and then that kind of came apart at the last minute, and he had problems getting on the grid at the start, and then the deal with Carlin came together last minute, which is never ideal, right? You don't get a chance to assimilate with the team, and that's hard to do on race weekends, and, you know, he's, he's tried to do it, and they've, they've shown pretty good pace, but nothing what, like what Herta has shown. Um, not a super surprise from Colton watching him race, um, and, you know, we've seen him make mistakes, which you know, he's going to do, he's been that way since he, you know, I started covering him when he was 14 and USF 2000 and that's kind of, he's fast and will make some mistakes, but he'll continue to make less mistakes as time goes on as he gets older. And, um, and he's, uh, he's one that, you know, you talk to his engineer, uh, Nathan O'Rourke, who works really well with young drivers. And Nathan says, it's, you know, he's probably one of the best he's ever worked with it. It's giving Nathan the, the feedback he needs to make the car faster. That's why he's, you know, he's obviously got some, you know, they've got a, a, a partnership with Andretti Technologies where, you know, they can share data and the dampers come from Andretti. So um, they've definitely got some good equipment there and, and, and the opportunity to go fast, but it still takes the driver and the engineer to make it make the setup work for that driver in particular because it doesn't work, doesn't work for every driver. So he's been quick. And, you know, Patricio just uh, doing the F2 race this weekend in uh, Austria at Red Bull Ring and, I think he uh, didn't have the greatest race this morning, uh, but got up to speed pretty quickly in a car he'd never been into. So um, I expect him to show up in a couple other different racing series uh, in the next couple of months. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in Super Formula in Japan and there's, he gets a couple other F2 opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in IndyCar at some point either. It's just a matter of getting him as much seat time as possible. Right. At this point, do you think it would be better if you race in, the, in Europe uh, full-time next year? Um, if he wants to be in Formula One, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just it makes more sense to race on the tracks that you're. It's like it's like if you want to be an IndyCar driver, you want to be an Indy Lights. If you want to be a right. Formula One driver, you need to be an F2. It's just you race on the same tracks, you race in front of the team owners. You know, it's learning that that track knowledge, going to a track, and you know these days with the junior formula, you only get a half hour practice session. So knowing the track ahead of time is a huge advantage to a driver that's coming in blind to that event. Well, I think in, in, in the perfect example of a situation gone bad was uh, Michael Andretti in 1993 who went yeah. over to drive for Team McLaren as a number two driver, but you know spent basically the first day of practice le learning the tracks, and then everybody right. was honing in their car yet, and he was still learning the track. It just was not a, a good situation for Michael Andretti back then. Uh, get, no, get back. he got thrown into a good, a good team where you have to perform right away. You know, if you go to a team the lower down on the grid, then it, the pressure to perform isn't there. But Michael had that pressure to perform right away, yep. and it was just it's impossible to do with no time on the track. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, speaking of, let's talk a bit about the ladder system. We're talking to Steve Wittish from IndyCar.com. 
and this is kind of like your forte. Uh, you've been doing this for a while now. And walk us through. I, I, I always kind of walk it through like baseball when explaining. I, I had my cousin. I had my cousin up there last year, and she's looking at the cars on the track. And I, I told her, like, the Indy Lights are like AAA baseball. So kind of walk us through the, the, the ladder series, what they call it, with the IndyCar series. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, officially called Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. So it's, uh, like Steve said, three la- three levels. Uh, you know, single A is the USF 2000 series, which is a, a Tadis chassis, uh, two-liter engine actually built in Wisconsin by Elite Engines and Steve Knapp. Um, a little over 200 horsepower, 250 horsepower. Uh, then you move up to Indy Pro 2000, which uses the same tub, uh, different bodywork, uh, same engine, but about 125 more horsepower. Um, so a lot faster than the USF 2000. They add a few more tools, a little bit more arrows, so that the drivers learn on each step. And then last step before IndyCar is Indy Lights, and that's a it's actually a Delara tub. And the the seat from an IndyCar and a Indy Lights car, it's not quite the same tub, but it can go back and forth. And um, it's a it's a turbocharged AER two liter engine that's got 450 horsepower and then they've also got a push to pass system in there for 50 more horsepower so it's a good stat it's a good ladder to come up um, you know if drivers will come from karting or Formula Ford or F1600 to USF 2000 and again you get to you get to spend all this time racing on these tracks racing with the same um, people mm-hmm. learning what to expect when you go to an event because it's different you know it's every event's different and to learn you know hey you know, this is what this is the best time to get into the track. This is the best way to get into the track. That kind of stuff actually matters because it's you know, when you're when you're supposed to be concentrating on the racing, it's good not to have that little minutia in your mind all the time. That's a good point. You know, I never I never thought of that before, but that is true. When you go to a new track and that, it's kind of offsetting because you're like, okay, where is everything? Because you know what's supposed to right. be there, but where exactly? How is everything laid out? And and somebody that that does this like we do, we always like, what's the easiest way? It's not not only right. easiest, but the fastest way. You know, how can we cut save some time? Because it, it's amazing how time flies on a race weekend. Next thing you know, especially if you have deadlines and that, it 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 goes pretty pretty fast. So yeah, that's yeah, it really does. And it it's important for those even the teams, not even the drivers of the teams. You know, like. Um, USF 2000 being the lowest rung, they tend to be the, we call them the track sweepers. And then they also will often run at the end of the day because, you know, you want your main series to run, you know, at the heart of the day when most right. people are there. So you, you put the lower guys on. And so a lot of times those team guys, they're, they're the first ones there and the last ones to leave for USF 2000 and the pro 2000. So, um, you're just getting the lay of the land, a good thing, but it's also, you know, you get to race in front of the, the IndyCar team owners, right? They, they do watch, uh, they definitely watch, and the IndyCar drivers watch too. It's interesting to see some of the guys, um, you know, start to get mentored by some of the IndyCar guys. Someone like Cameron Shields, uh, Australian driver actually from Toowoomba, has willpower helping him out. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting to watch the guys. Uh, usually, you know, from one country to another, they'll, you know, if there's a kid from, you know, France, then you know, see Bourdais and Pagnot sort of take them under their wing and talk to them and sort of give them an idea of what to expect, and that. Uh, that's a really cool way for a kid to, to learn from the best, right? Like those guys know what it takes right. to get to IndyCar. They do give back, which is really good to see. Yeah, and yes, uh, the F2000 uh, is a good weekend for Paps Racing locally here from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, uh, with, with them getting a 1-2 finish uh, during the weekend, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it really was. They had a one-two. I think that first race they had four cars in the top eight, and then they were all in the top 12 in the second race. So, no, it was a really good weekend. Um, and they have a couple, you know, it's a local team, but they also have a couple local drivers, Colin Kaminsky. Um, and believe it or not, Juven Thunder Maruthi is, uh, you wouldn't think he's local, but he's actually born in Oconomowoc. Um <laughs> And he's, uh, he's coming from F-1600, so it was a good event for him to come back home and race uh, in front of a lot of people he, he got to know when he was born there. And no, um, I know Augie Paps was really, really happy with how the weekend went. Um, he's got a good team. He's got a good group of people with him this year. Hunter Mackle race, uh, kind of the, the top driver for those guys right now. He won the um, USF 2000 uh, $200,000 shootout. So what happens in the offseason, usually in December, is um, – Road to Indy invites about 20 drivers from around the world, F-1600 champions, champions from driving schools, so sort of kids from all around the world. And Hunter's from – Hunter was actually born in Los Angeles uh, to Kiwi parents but grew up in Australia. But he's, he okay. drives under a Kiwi license, under a New Zealand license. But um, he won that, and he won the first race, his first race of the season for Pabst on Saturday and kind of kept himself in championship contention. He's awfully uh, – He's a really, really good driver, and actually, I think he, yeah, Scott Dixon has taken a pretty good uh, interest in how he's doing too. So I think he's going to get a little bit of, you know, mentoring from that side, which is always great. But uh, yeah, it's good to see Augie's team do well. He uh, and there's nobody that supports the road Indy like he does. He's, That's uh, he's true. definitely into it. Yep, and having Scott Dixon as a racing mentor is not a bad way to go either. No, it's really not <laughs> so bad, is it? Yeah, it no, is. No, definitely, Scott. Uh, yeah, those guys. The IndyCar drivers do pay attention to what's going on on the ladder. You know, some of it's to know who the competition is coming up, but some <laughs> of it's also to you know, support the kids too, because they know how hard it is to get to the IndyCar level. And uh, Steve, we certainly appreciate it, and uh, give your Greyhounds a rub on the head for me. And where, where can Always. we where, where can we see your stuff on IndyCar.com? Uh, yeah, on IndyCar.com, I do a little bit, and then TrackSideOnline.com, and then TSOLadder.com are our two websites that uh, we cover IndyCar on tracksideonline.com and TSO Ladder is uh, completely doing the road dindy. So we've got a lot of coverage on there. I usually, I, I'll do a little bit of both, but I usually focus on the ladder, but I do indie, quite a bit of IndyCar coverage too. So um, I absolutely love it. And it's so much, I love coming up to Road America and Wisconsin. It's uh, I'm Canadian originally, so it feels like home to me. Very good. I certainly appreciate it. It was good seeing you again, and we'll see you next time uh, okay, when our paths you. cross. All right. Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Steve. Uh, that was Steve Wittish on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local, common sense lending to your community since 1935. Coming up next, we'll talk to Eddie Lapine of RacingNation.com, who's out at Watkins Glen for the IMSA weekend. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobson joining us once again on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. This is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, Steve. How are you today? Fant- oh, I'm crappy, but that's that's besides the point. Yeah, I'm fighting the, the dreaded summer cold. 
You sound like it. Yeah, oh, I know. Sorry. So you are out in Watkins Glen, one of my favorite areas. And it's funny because it's so much like uh, it's so much like Road America. They're they're almost like uh, separate twin cities, almost, especially with the, the track layout and how downtown uh, Watkins Glen and Elkhart Lake are so much alike. Isn't that kind of eerie how that looks? Yeah, it's definitely the same atmosphere. Uh, you know, the little towns and you know, lots of lakes and. It's cool. It's a great, you know, so much history at this track, just like Road America. Uh, both tracks have so much, so much history, and it's uh, great to be here. Uh, the weather just broke a little bit, and uh, we're sitting here live in the paddock. So what? what is, uh, tell us, walk us through what's going on this weekend. It's the IMSA series at Watkins Glen for the Salins, six hours, right, at the Glen? Yes, at the Glen, and the Mazdas, uh, an hour ago, got the pole. Uh, Ali Jarvis uh, took P1, uh, followed by the Penske's, pulled out a lap at, uh, at the end of the session and put it on pole, and uh, we have the Corvettes after their rough weekend at Le Mans a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, Antonio Garcia put it on pole for Corvettes. So pretty exciting and very close. I mean, the times are just really close. It's going to be a great race. And uh, what what the the drivers that go to Watkins Glen? What are some of the areas? Because they now compared to the NASCAR, they actually run the full circuit. Uh, if you if you talk to somebody like uh, uh, Andy Lally or that, I mean, how, how much more of a driver experience is that racing the full course as opposed to like the the north, the, the the short course that Andy might have ran at uh, on the NASCAR well, series. Well, I mean, I think it's like anything. I mean, you adapt to it, and it's a little more challenging, and it's you know, it's a lot, it's a lot faster in a, than a, a cup car. I mean, these guys in the Porsches and and the prototypes. I mean, they broke another track record today. Um, Jarvis did broke last year's track record, and to put it in perspective, we were looking at uh, the track record, which you know, in 1970, they had, you know, they they didn't have the bus stop chicane. And uh, I forgot who had the pole in the 71 Grand Prix, but the lap time was 139. So, and these guys are turning 120. Wow. Is that amazing? <laughs> so, yeah, it is amazing when you think about, you know, the, how the times with the tires and the power the cars are so much faster around this course, definitely. And uh, you got Dane, Dane Cameron was quickest, I think, uh, yesterday. Uh, and we, we've had him on the show. He's running for Team Penske. Dane Cameron is one of those guys, if he was in the IndyCar Series or NASCAR Series, he'd be, he'd be much more popular. But he, he's, he's popular within the IMSA circles and that. But just tell us, how good is Dane Cameron? Oh, he's great. I mean, he's, he's great. I mean, there's no doubt Penske saw a lot in him, and, and that's why they took him and snatched him up. And, you know, I mean, he's, you know, they're winning races now. And I think, uh, you know, they're going to be contenders all the way to the last race. Definitely. Yeah, he certainly is. And what, what's, uh, what's the scuttlebutt? What's, what's kind of the, the news that, that's kind of bubbling up uh, rumors or anything uh, in the paddock this weekend? Well, I mean, there's, you know, always things, you know, going around, you know, I mean, with manufacturers coming like, into the series to make it stronger. 
um, you know, drivers going somewhere else, but nothing of, you know, I mean, I think in the next couple of weeks we'll see, you know, you know, the, the Fords are done at the end of the year, the GT cars. Yeah. And there's, there's so some, there's a lot of, yeah, there's some, there's some reports about the cost being a little high and yeah, you, know, you just wonder that, you know, it, it, it's one of these catch 22s, a series that, that wants to be favorable for, for manufacturers to come in. That's all fine and done. But when you have one or two leave, it certainly leaves a void because the privateers, you know, when, when you bring in manufacturers, you know, they can spend as much money as they want. But when you have a, when you're a privateer owner, that, that part, you know, that, that money that you need to run a team like that may not be there. It, could that be an issue with uh, the, the GT series moving forward? Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, because, you know, half, let's face it, let's be honest. I mean, half the paddock here are people that are bringing money to race. So, I mean, those drivers are bringing sponsors to race or they're paying to race. And that's what you're seeing, you know, in the paddock here. And it definitely affects the future of the sport because, you know, like anything, when the money runs out, you know, then they lose cars. Sure. And I think when a big manufacturer um, pulls the plug, but that doesn't mean that Ford is out. There's lots of things going on, lots of talk about Ford maybe possibly doing DPI uh, and moving up to the prototypes. Uh, I think in the next couple months, I think when, when, when they come to Road America, I think there'll be some more announcements and we'll know mo- a lot more of what's going on. It's just a little too early right now right. because, you know, they're coming off the European stent right now, and this is the first race since a month ago. So I think right now it's just getting back into the thing, and and definitely uh, we'll see at the next, you know, next week they'll be at Mosport, and when they come to Road America, there'll be some announcements made. And then what about... Uh, Road America coming up next month and that. I mean, w- with the teams and everything, is it, it, are we going to be looking at pretty much the same teams that we'll be seeing uh, at Rockins Glen this weekend? Oh, pretty much. Everything is pretty much the same. I mean, all these teams love coming to Road America just like they come like to come to Watkins Glen. And it's going to be a great race like every year. It's a great I, – I just wish they would lengthen that race. I think it would make it a lot better. And and you you and you, you you and Jack Webster was at one of my favorite places that I've ever visited. That's the Glen Motor Lodge. Uh, walk us through walk walk the listener through why this is such a special place. Well, if you can ever get up to here, I, I re- highly recommend. I know every time I get on the radio show every week, I always say you got to go here, you got to go here. Well, trust me, I go to a lot of places, and this is another one of those places you need to come to. I only started coming here three years ago, but, I mean, there is so much history up here at the Glen. I mean, if you're into Formula One in the 70s, I mean, you go to the Motor Glen Inn, I think they still have the same toilets there that they had in the <laughs> 70s. The rooms are still the same. I mean, the restaurant, the decor, I mean, they still have the poster up. Uh, when all the drivers used to be in there. There's still a cigarette and, uh, machine in there, too. 
there's mm-hmm. still a cigarette machine. I always look at that, and you know, I mean, one of those old vending machines. It, uh, it's just fabulous. I well, mean, between if, that the Seneca Lodge. Yeah, that you know? too. But yeah, what's cool about the Glen the the Glen Motor Inn is you kind of take this uh, little two lane highway out of the area. And it's up kind of up on a hill, and it over, overlooks the Finger Lakes area, and you're right on top of one of the lakes. And so you're kind of looking down at it, and you're up on this mm-hmm. bluff right on the side of the road. It's your typical old-school motel, not a hotel, but a motel with the doors mm-hmm. with the doors that exit outside. There's not there's no interior doors. And they have the Jimmy Clark room and the, and the Graham Hill room. They haven't updated them. They're still the same. And people always say, you get the the owner who I got to meet always tells them, well, just so you know, they're kind of small because when you go in, there's pretty much just a, a, a bed, right? A bed, a nightstand, and a, and a and a TV. There's not it's, too much in there. No, it's the same as it was <laughs> back then, and it's it's really so nostalgic, and it, it it's really. Uh, Vic was there last night when we were there. Oh, was and, he? Okay. You know, like every yes, yeah. he was there last night. We chatted with him. And, uh, I mean, it's amazing when you think about how they kept that place the same way over all these years. And the pictures are still on the wall, signed from Graham Hill, um, Jimmy Clark. I mean, pictures signed to Vic and the hotel. So it's, you know, it's just, and getting back to the Finger Lakes, they have 90 wineries you could take a spin. It isn't just for racing to come here. If you like wine, this is the place to go. Yep. California is too far to fly. <laughs> come out here, trust me, it's awesome. I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it, it's just like Road America, but you got 90 wineries along the highway that you can stop in and uh, taste test. It's pretty cool. Very, but, I, I, but, I, but, I also highly recommend it. Well, but please, if you do come here, I'll give you one tip. Don't speed. I got a ticket the first day I came to this place. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. Don't speed in the state of New York. That's pretty much anywhere in the state of New York. Uh, the troopers are very, very uh, big on uh, oh, speed enforcement. Six miles, six miles from the airport. Just got there. Welcome to New York. Here's yeah. your $200 speeding ticket. <laughs> well, Eddie, who's your pick uh, today in the Saline's uh, six hours at the Glen? Well, I mean, you you got to go with Penske. I mean, All right. I, I think Dane Penske's Cameron? on a roll. Yeah, yeah, yep. I like it. Okay. Yeah. I so. concur. Uh, Eddie, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show, and we will chat uh, in the next couple weeks here. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks. Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Make sure to check out RacingNation.com. Not only for Eddie's story. Eddie has a cool story last week on a a kid who was able to reunite with Takuma Sato, who ran through some difficulties, but also with uh, Jack Webster and his photos and that. Good stuff. And uh, they'll be putting reports from uh, Watkins Glen all through the weekend at RacingNation.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Bob Sargent from Track Enterprises, talking about racing on a Tuesday night in Wisconsin. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show.
Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway, New New Grove, and David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, once again, it is Bob Sargent of Track Enterprises. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you. Uh, Bob, I want to say, uh, once again, uh, the feedback from the Milwaukee Mile Race a couple weeks ago has been fantastic. And everybody was saying, you know, boy, just, just imagine all the fans we would have had if the weather was even better. And I totally, you know, uh, believe that too. I think it would have been a much stronger, even though it was a strong uh, show. What What's the feedback you've been getting on the Milwaukee Mile Race? Yeah, a lot of the same as what you're saying. Just uh, a lot of positive comments. Um, and as I tell people, you know, we're fortunate that uh, the script worked out so well with a lot of race cars. You know, the infield looked good and full. The campers had a good time. Uh, 50 degree weather with some drizzle and the crowd still came out. Um, you know, and then when we get down to business and have racing, you know, we had some of the best racing I've seen in a long time. You know, with with a young gentleman winning the truck race, uh, an accident with the top leaders of the the mid am cars, and then you know the supers uh, with the invert and uh, the caution uh, pit stops just made for an exciting race. So. The whole day was was really uh, well received, and we're hearing a lot of that comment. Uh, that's fantastic, and uh, looking forward to doing it again next year. And uh, I'm sure you, when when you're able to, you'll be letting us know when uh, the details of that in 2020. Uh, but your job isn't done. You do a lot of racing, a lot of race promotion throughout the Midwest. In fact, you have an event coming up on Tuesday at Wilmont Raceway, one of the raciest uh, dirt tracks around in Kenosha County where you have the, the dirt late models coming to town. Why don't you tell us about that, please? We do. It's an organization called UMP, United Midwestern Promoters. They do what they call a summer national. They actually call it the Hell Tour because it's so many days in a row. These guys are racing 25 to 26 days straight, and it has a point fun at the end of the series. So it's the best of the best. You know, I have Brian Shirley and, and Shannon Babb, Jason Fager, some of these top late model drivers, Bobby Pierce, these top super late model drivers in the country, um, same ones you see at Eldora and everywhere else, are on this series. And uh, we get to bring them to Wilmot there Tuesday night, uh, running the local modifieds with them. And, and we just want to invite everybody to come out. You're right, racy little place. These uh, late models only get in your area a few times. And, and I think that people really enjoy these super late models. Yeah, I really think they will. And uh, $5,000 a win, and you also got the – the modifieds and the street stocks running out there too, and these guys put on a great show. And uh, when you you mentioned those drivers like Shannon Babb and those guys, they they, they put on a great show, and uh, it, it it it's amazing when you see those cars. You're thinking they're okay. They got to slow down for the corner, and they sling those cars sideways. It's it, it it's quite the fun show to watch, isn't it, for the fans in the stands? Yeah, it is. You know, uh, if you watch you know, some of these NASCAR drivers have started you know racing dirt. Uh, Kenny Wallace and, and Tony Stewart Schrader, just a lot. You know, Kyle Larson, a lot of race dirt, and uh, they say they just enjoy the dirt racing. There's a lot of slinging, a lot of sideways action, uh, slide jobs, just in and out action racing on these shorter tracks. So the fans will be treated to something totally different than what they see on television with NASCAR. And it's it's super late model UMP racing at its best. It certainly is. Looking forward to that, and uh, just. All they have to do is just show up at the gate to buy tickets, right? Yeah, we really didn't do advanced tickets. Uh, plenty of seats available there. We just ask everybody to you know, you can check our website at trackenterprises.com. We'll try to put a link to yours. And, 
you know, the, the racetracks there at Wilmot, the UMP has one. So plenty of ways to find out information about it. The times, the gates open at, I believe, 5 and racing's at, you know, 7. But uh, plenty of plenty of tickets available, and you just get them at the gate. All right, very good. Well, Bob, we certainly appreciate you coming, uh, taking time out on the show, and uh, looking forward to seeing you Tuesday night and uh, uh, definitely next year at the Milwaukee Mile as uh, racing returns to the Milwaukee Mile. Thank you. That's Bob Sargent from Track uh, Track Enterprises. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bob. And he joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019. Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. We'll be back in the final inspection show after this. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki along with Mayor Mitch joining me in studio. Well, it looks like I made it through this. I made it through. Yeah, your voice isn't gone yet. That's that's good. I mean, it, it's a going, but it's here. not completely gone yet. Yeah. Well, I, a valiant effort. I, I mean, thank everybody who's been on the show. Dennis Michelson, DMAC Media, talking NASCAR with him. We spoke with uh, Steve Wittich from IndyCar.com. And we talked. The great Roy Henning. The great Roy Henning from Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you make sure you get out to Great Lakes Dragway next Saturday for the Bug Fest and the Great Midwest Truck Show. Yeah, summer is here. Summer is here, and then also uh, like to thank Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com, Bob Sargent from Track Enterprises. Make sure to get out to Wilmot. It's kind of crazy Raceway. how long the racing season is. Just in general, I mean, you start this show in February. It really kicks in and, locally. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. From end of May till September, man. I was thinking, like, how many shows do we do? I mean, me or Jeff or you or whoever. Right. And it's snowing (laughs) or uh, 20 degrees. And, you know, obviously in, like, North Carolina and stuff where racing is headquartered or NASCAR is, I mean, it's 70 degrees down there. Uh, When it's snowing, they're racing all the time down there. Right. Obviously, obviously just a couple of short months here, you really get to enjoy it. So get out there. We got about three minutes left in final cup practice. Joey Logano is still the fastest down to Chicagoland Speedway. So racing down to Chicagoland Speedway for NASCAR. IndyCar's off. We got IMSA up at Watkins Glen where Eddie Lapine was reporting from. And we have F1, but we don't care about F1 because Lewis Hamilton is just going to win in a Mercedes, so it doesn't matter. And we have NBA free agency. Yeah, I mean, that's... This, that's real i mean the weekend here is all of a sudden once we've got to this morning and all the all the rumors seem to be turning into you know they they appear to be solidifying as the day goes on here as these well, as these insiders and reporters are tweeting out stuff and and finding out more about teams intentions and players intentions and now i mean there's just there's a, been a flurry of of reports and stuff on everything uh milwaukee bucks wise um now this is reported yesterday by shams of the athletic and stadium that the Bucks intend to waive George Hill, who was obviously a key cog off the bench. He's part of the bench mob last season. Um, now, the reason he was waived, in case you're sitting there saying, why was he waived? Well, because he was he has a partially guaranteed contract. 
if the Bucks would not have waived him, he'd be making $18 million next season. Right. And I think you, me, and everybody listening can agree that George Hillwell is a very nice player. He's aging, and he's probably not worth $18 million. And So even, what's going to happen is he's going to get eight. He's going to get $1 million, I think, on essentially a buyout. And then hopefully the Bucks are going to try to find a way to re-sign him, I right. think. That's the plan. And, and, and you would think George Hill wants to come back, guys like George Hill, Brooke Lopez. You think those guys, while the Bucks can't, the Bucks have to use cap space to get those guys back, right? And they are a little bit limited, especially with Chris Middleton's impending free agency. So, I mean, I think you have to think. But then again, when it comes down to it, I mean, when 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 five o'clock Central Time hits tomorrow, and they're on, you know, Woj and the boys are on ESPN doing their free agency special, and you're watching. I mean, who knows what George Hill's going to get? You know, he was really good in the playoffs, and you do have to kind of worry. I mean, I don't think it's going to be. One of those things where the where the Bucks 100% have to have him back, or they're not going to win 50 games again. But it, it, he's definitely a nice player, and especially when you see Eric Bledsoe. He fit the system very well. Absolutely, and he's a great defender. That's the thing the Bucks, I think, are very underrated. Not only were they good defending the rim with Brook Lopez. By the way, Brook Lopez was about the. I think it was he had a he had as many three pointers made. He had more three pointers made than blocks, but he also had a ton of blocks. So he's shooting threes and defending the rim, which is what today's NBA is, and. So he's perfect, but also George Hill and Eric Bledsoe. We're very blessed to have two great defensive defensive point guards. Right. Now, when Eric Bledsoe struggles in the postseason, George Hill picked up nicely. So people see that, and we all, you know, we love George Hill, so we'd love to have him back. And I'm pretty much in that camp. But we'll see what happens when they look at his numbers and his agent. You know, they're obviously going to go out and try to get himself some money. I mean, if he ends up signing with Phoenix or something, who knows? You know, I mean, who knows what he'll get? But yeah, and it looks like it is official now uh, that. Uh, Nico Miritich is going to sign with the Euro Club, uh, Club Barcelona. Really? Uh, yes. Well, yeah, I knew that was definitely in the cards. Which is and, kind and, of a surprise. And some of, the, must... some of the European media was reporting that. Yeah. We have that up on 1057fmthefan.com as well. So, I mean, yeah, that's a surprise a little bit. I, I would think that he has – now, I was kind of saying since day one, the Bucks when they acquired him from New Orleans, he's the ideal guy – for that system and to come in in a trade deadline and stretch run situation, but I would really hate to be the team to give him like a three or four year deal. Yep. Just because he's he's you know he's not old, but he's around thirty, and he's not the most athletic guy in the world. So I feel like other than sh- if he ain't shooting, which and we saw this, if he isn't shooting, I should speak proper English here on the radio. If he's not shooting well, as you saw in the postseason, he ain't gonna bring you much. So it's a guy that. He just I would tread lightly on that one, but if he wants to go back to Europe, I guess. But I would think that somebody in in the in the National Basketball Association would want to try to get him at maybe a bigger contract on shorter shorter years. You know, even if the Bucks signed him to like a one year deal or something, I'd be cool with that. But I just don't want to give him a multiple multi year deal going forward. Of course, uh, ESPN has been going nuts. TV has been going nuts over the news that uh, Kawhi Leonard and uh, Kevin Durant maybe yeah putting putting themselves together in a, in a package deal, which the two leaders to that would be the Knicks or the Clippers at mm-hmm. this point. Yep. And, and yeah, I, and I, you know, we, we talked about this off air and I said, now granted I am a Clippers fan, uh, bucks one Clippers are a one, a one B type thing, but, uh, I'd love to know why. Uh, I don't know if we have enough time. Oh, well, I just started when I was in high school, me and my buddies decided to pick the worst teams. Yeah. And, the and this was in the eighties. And at that time the Mets were too. So it was really kind of cool because I started to follow the Mets then, and a couple of years later, there they are in the World Series. So yeah. it was pretty cool. Well, it can turn but, around quick. I mean, uh, the Clippers not so much. No, it took them a while. But I was also I liked, but then 
when the Bucks made that big blockbuster trade with Terry Cummins and that, you had Marcus Johnson, Harvey Ketchings, and those guys going to the Clippers. So you had a lot of ex Bucks on the team. Yeah, like no, that. That made, they made it easy too. But I mean, the Bucks, I, 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 you know, I think the Clippers can put together a better package for those guys. And plus the Knicks with all their issues that they've had internally, I think yeah. I, I think you'd rather go to the Clippers if I'm that, now, that pair. Now the, the thing there is the Knicks have. Naturally, they have $70 million in cap space right now, which is enough to sign two max slot players. The Clippers, um, they have like $40 million or something in cap space, but they but they can easily trade yes. Danilo Gallinari's contract, their starting small forward from last year who averaged 20 points a game. Um, they, can, they have to move his contract. So I ask you, Steve Zotke, um, with the – Free agency beginning tomorrow. Chris Middleton reportedly looking at, you know, something close to the five-year, one hundred ninety million dollar max contract that the Bucks can offer him. If it's not the full max, it's going to be darn near it probably. I mean, would you rather have Chris Middleton at thirty-five million a year or Danilo Gallinari on a on a one-year situation at twenty-two point six? Me, I personally rather have Gallinari. Garnara. I mean, but but uh, yeah. the issue is, what does Giannis want? And this is yeah, exactly. This is, and, and and boy, we. If if you just want, this is such a players' league now. Yep. And you, and when you watch this free agency, it's all the players. The players have all the power in this league, and and if Giannis is comfortable and he is with Middleton, it's going to be with Middleton. Yeah, and I think that if the Bucks do not bring Chris Middleton back, you're looking at you're getting worse. You are. I mean, unless unless you can find, I think the only guy that's available that that you could argue is better than Chris Middleton that that could realistically come to Milwaukee. And I don't even know if that's possible because of what happened earlier in his career. But Tobias Harris, that's I think, I is a guy of, yeah. is a and guy that is that is as efficient, if not more efficient, than Chris Middleton. Um, if you're but, Tobias Harris, do you want to come back though? Yeah, and and it's it's a different it's a different organization. Though. It's like when people said, "Would Urson come back?" Now, granted, Urson <laughs> lives here, so you know he spends his off seasons here, I believe, and uh, you know he stays here pretty much year round. But so it was easy for him to come back. But it's a completely different regime. I mean. I don't. Scott Skiles did not like Tobias Harris, and vice versa. I mean, that's how far back we're going. He was a 19-year-old kid when when he was traded, and one of the worst trades of all time. And um, you know, some somebody to think about. But uh, you know, well, then, here's the other thing. Then again, you don't have his bird rights. And and plus, well, he, how many teams has he been with? That's the other thing. A lot, and it's weird. But all that dude does is get, he's gotten better every year. I mean, it's not like he's Drew Gooden, who got traded a lot too, and right. got worse all the time. Tobias Harris has been traded. He's he's kind of that guy where he he's not good enough to build around, right? But he's very good enough to have trade value, and um, that's sort of what happens in, in a big enough contract that teams need to move him around, or want to, or need him to move, you know, to match money and stuff. And he's a guy that, like I said, has enough trade value to entice teams. So other than that, I mean, Chris Middleton, I think, is our guy. He's because Giannis says he is exactly, and you you don't you don't want to mess with that. Well, it's been a fun show. We appreciate you putting up with us talking basketball. Make sure you tune in next week or come out to visit us at Great Lakes Dragway for Bugfest and the Midwest Truck uh, Truck Event at Great Lakes Dragway. Should be a lot of fun. Weather should be great, and hopefully my voice will be better. And hey, you're not only to lose that, it. you're starting to lose uh, it now. Not, not only that, come Packer on. Packer Hall of Famer Leroy Butler will be out there. Yeah. So make sure you get his autograph, all his fun poser photos. Always a good time at Great Lakes Dragway. Yeah, no question about it. I mean. If you want to see, I mean, Laura Butler is a great dude. If you want to meet that guy, 
Now's your opportunity. Oh, you see him on, if you see him on TV or at events. That's how he is all the time. Yeah, he's, he's just, just a dude. That likes just to a hang solid out. dude. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Final Inspection Show. Thanks once again to Great Lakes Dragway and Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda for their support and also Track Enterprises. And make sure, don't forget, Wilmot Speedway Tuesday, Tuesday evening for the late dirt late models. Uh, a lot of fun out there. So lots of things to do in Wisconsin. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.